Hello, you're listening to a podcast from Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Radio Maria is a 24-7 Catholic radio station broadcasting online via our app, Radio Maria Play, and on DAB in an increasing number of areas. You can follow us on social media. And if you enjoy this program, please do click like and subscribe to us on your podcast provider. Radio Maria relies entirely upon listener donations. We have no other sources of funding, so please do consider supporting us with a monthly or one-off donation so that we can continue to keep providing great programming free at the point of access. To donate or find out more, visit us at radiomariaengland.uk. This is Radio Maria, and we're going to continue our mornings with Radio Maria this morning with the Catholic Union. If you were ever wondering how, as a Catholic, or even as a Christian, how things are going along in Parliament of any kind of legal law of our beautiful country of Great Britain, you'll want to check out catholicunion.org. UK. There you can read their weekly briefings where they give you a little update on what's going on, also about the work they are doing, and also how you can become a member and attend their up their upcoming uh, programs and workshops and events. So that is catholicunion.org. But for listeners at Radio Maria, <laughs> we bring it straight to you with our dear friend, James Somerville Mikkel. Hello, James. Thank you for coming on the program. Good morning, Helena. Well, I feel like I don't need to be here now. You've given such a generous plug for the Catholic Union's online content. Um, <laughs> no, no. People can go in there and check it out for themselves. No, no, I'm, la- I'm lazy and I prefer to hear it. <laughs> so I'm very excited to hear it from you. And there is uh, so much going on, James. There is, yes, as always. Um, Parliament uh, returned from Whitson recess yesterday. Um, It's the work of parliamentarians passing laws, scrutinising the government starts again. It's something that as Catholics, uh, there are lots of matters of concern to us, Um, issues that affect the church, issues that affect uh, Catholic social teaching, areas where we can contribute in terms of uh, the church's position on things and the experience that lay Catholics have to bring in terms of charity work and uh, and what they're doing on the ground. So, yes, a lot, a lot to do, as always. You must start, though. So I, everybody, am an immigrant to this country, and I have no idea what Whitson break is. What was this break that they just took? Uh, so the Whitson recess. Recess. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, um, so Parliament has probably about six or seven uh, recesses throughout the year. Um, the summer one is the longest, where uh, Parliament doesn't sit for about six or eight weeks. Um, and the idea is that particularly in the House of Commons, where people are elected uh, in the communities where they where they live, where they serve, um, it's quite good to have a chunk of time where actually they are just, or say just, but they're focusing on what they can do locally, um, rather than traveling back and forth to Westminster. At least that's the idea. Um, I mean, some of them use it to take a bit of a break, spend time with their family, uh, because politics can be quite a demanding demanding job. Um, a lot of them will use it to, to meet local people, local businesses, uh, to hear what's going on. Um, and some of them will, will use it for sort of um, 
campaigning activity as well, particularly if there are uh, elections coming up. But um, uh, but the Whitstone recess, yes, it's um, uh, it's not a term that we hear very often these days in uh, schools and colleges. Uh, it's been renamed as the May half term. Uh, but traditionally, the the break that comes at the end of May, beginning of June, is known as Whitson. Um, and it's the English term for Pentecost, because the um, uh, the seventh oh, Sunday after... The seventh Sunday after Easter was known as White Sunday. Um, the idea of white representing the spirit, the Holy Ghost, um, as that that's, uh, person of the Trinity was was called, called in old-fashioned times. Um, so, yeah, so White Sunday went to Whitson, um, and it still gives its name to, to this recess in Parliament. Um, so last week, MPs and peers were away, um, coincided with, with the great feast of Pentecost that we celebrate. And uh, yes, they, they, they returned yesterday, Monday the 5th of July, June, sorry, to resume their work. Don't zoom us to July yet, James. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to skip out the entirety of June. (laughs) All right. On their plates, in their doors, their first bit of letters, I'm pretty sure it might be about this new bill or, or this continuing bill. Can you tell us a bit about the migration bill and what has been the response from the church so far? Mm, sure. Well, it's uh, it's something we've discussed on this programme before, the government's illegal migration bill. Uh, it was introduced earlier this year when the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, said that he would stop these uh, small boat crossings that we're seeing over the English Channel. Uh, they reached, I think, 40,000 last year. Um, there have already been several thousand crossings made this year. Um, and the Prime Minister said that he would he would stop them. He didn't say he would reduce them, didn't say he would uh, try and bring the numbers down. He said he would stop them, uh, which is quite a bold, uh, a bold claim to make. And as part of that, the government has introduced this uh, new bill, which they hope will act as a deterrent. Um, the idea being that if you come to this country to try and seek asylum, if you do it by means of crossing the channel in a small boat, then you will automatically be disqualified from claiming asylum. Um, so it's very much the sort of the stick rather than the carrot approach, as we've as we talked about previously. Um, a number of Catholic charities and leaders have voiced concerns about the bill, particularly where it leaves children, um, unaccompanied child refugees. And the bill currently is in the House of Lords, um, and it's at what's known as committee stage. So at committee, peers, so those are men and women who've been appointed uh, to the upper house, the House of Lords, go through the bill line by line, and they scrutinise it. And uh, they basically give ministers a really hard time, <laughs> um, which they which they should do, because they're basically saying, well, does this bill do what the government says it will do. And even if it does, is that a good thing? Is that compatible with our international obligations? Is that compatible with our uh, our values, what we want to see in the immigration system? Uh, and so yesterday there was uh, a day in committee. There's another day in committee tomorrow. Um, uh, over 150 amendments have been tabled to this bill, 
which I think gives you a sense of the uh, the volume of concern and um, the fact that so many peers think that it can be it can at the very least be improved um, with some of them wanting to see it scrapped altogether. And uh, if your listeners are interested, uh, it's well worth having a look on Hansard, which is the uh, official parliamentary uh, record of what's been said in the House of Commons and the House of Lords. If you go onto Hansard and have a look for uh, the debate in the House of Lords yesterday, you can see those exchanges. And there were some really, really good contributions, uh, including from Lord Alton. Uh, Lord Alton is a former Catholic Union vice president, uh, very, very active in terms of um, issues to do with promoting uh, promoted life, um, promoting fairness in the asylum system, a um, lot of work in terms of calling out genocides as well and, and campaigning for the law to be changed there. So do have a look at Hansard and you can read some of those debates and get, a, get more of a sense of uh, some of the main themes, I suppose, in this, in this bill and how the government and opposition parties are responding. Thank you for that, James. Now, what about we at Radio Maria have just finished our marathon to help raise funds for Radio Maria Nigeria. Love it. Again, big thank you. Big thank you to all those that have prayed and have helped financially towards Radio Maria Nigeria. But there's there's it, Nigeria is not just about the radio. There's some things other happening that you guys, especially the Catholic Union, are focusing on. What's that all about? Well, Nigeria has been a focus uh, for us and for a number of other Catholic groups for for a while now. Um, it's an area where recently the church has been flourishing. You know, some very, very good Catholic men and women in that country who are trying to live out their faith uh, in very difficult circumstances. But we've seen, um, as the church has flourished, so too has persecution, sadly. And... Uh, Particularly last year, there were some really, really uh, horrific attacks, um, actually around the time of Pentecost, we've been talking about Whitson. Uh, so around this time last year, there was a terrible massacre uh, in which, sadly, um, many Christians lost their lives. And really, ever since then, um, ourselves, along with other groups, Aids the Church in Need, have been shining a spotlight on this. Uh, and Aids the Church in Need had a petition earlier this year, uh, calling on the UK government to use their position and influence to uh, essentially lobby or to make the case to their Nigerian counterparts, politicians in the country, to uh, to take a stand on this, to clamp it out and to say, this isn't right, um, the Christians should be facing persecution uh, because of their faith. And the concern I think that many people have is that these attacks are simply going um, without any without any recourse. So there's, there's no action being taken. Um, and so this petition has called on the UK government to take that up with Nigeria and ask them to lobby ministers there to, to take a stand on this. Um, the petition was due to be presented in Downing Street this week. Um, I gather we're going to have to wait a little bit longer until it goes in. Um, but it, it just closed, oh, a day or two ago. I think it closed on, on Pentecost, in fact. Um, so so the, the, the signatures are being sort of validated and, and put together, and that will be going into Downing Street very shortly. It's amazing how, 
our world, as much as we we think, oh, we've got to take care of our homes, our country, da, 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 but it always expands to further afield other countries and how we're all interconnected, really, in in what in order to have a good, prosperous world, we've got to work together on on all the things. I think that's right, and you know, the, the the two issues we've touched on so far, the illegal migration bill and Nigeria, I think show that. Um, I mean, Catholic social teaching is not limited to how you live as the individual. It spills out into how society should be ordered. Um, it spills out more broadly into what what human flourishing looks like. Um, and that has both a domestic and an international angle to it. Um, you know, who is my neighbour? Well, my neighbour is is everyone. Um, you know, and, and Pope Francis has spoken a lot about that during his pontificate. So it's absolutely right that I think as as Catholics, part of what we offer the public conversation is perhaps this um, uh, this international take um, and a real focus in areas such as Christian persecution, international development, um, fairness and justice for the world's poorest. This is my segue now. Speaking of Christian persecution, there are many Christians in this country that have expressed, especially to the Catholic Union, that they don't feel safe uh, talking openly about their faith with colleagues at universities. And now the government has taken a step towards, I don't know if it's supporting it or or what it's going to do, but they've appointed a a freedom of speech Czar? That's a weird <laughs> word to use as well. What, what's going on there, James? Yes, well, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, freedom of religion is something that we want to see for all people in all places. And the challenges are very different from one country to the other. We've just been speaking about Nigeria, where um, the challenges there are, are stark and they are extreme in, in the sense people are risking and indeed losing their lives for the faith. Um, now, thank God we don't face those challenges in this country uh, anymore. Um, but nonetheless, there are still challenges that Christians face in terms of living out their faith. And you mentioned a survey that we did earlier this year, which produced some really quite troubling findings. Um, so half of people said they felt they couldn't talk openly about their religion in the workplace. Um, and almost a third of people said they felt disadvantaged for their faith, which if you think about any other group or community in society, particularly those that are protected by equality legislation, um, if you were to discriminate against somebody on the basis of their gender or their age or their sexuality, for example, um, it would be called out and and uh, people wouldn't tolerate it. But it seems there is a little bit of a blind spot when it comes to to religious freedom. Um, and as you said, just uh, a week ago, the government, um, well, interesting, the, the government briefed, it hasn't formally been, been confirmed yet, uh, but the government indicated they were going to appoint uh, a man called Professor Arif Ahmed to be the director for freedom of speech and academic freedom at the Office for Students. Now, this is a, uh, a new role. Um, it's been called a, uh, a free speech czar for short, which is rather unfortunate given that um, places under, under czarist rule were perhaps not renowned for their 
um, freedom of speech and expression. <laughs> that's true. Um, but, um, but, but that aside, I think it's an encouraging move. Um, it is a statutory position. So the, the office that Professor Ahmed will be taking up, if he is indeed appointed, uh, is one that's underpinned by the new Higher Education Freedom of Speech Act uh, that was signed into law by the King last month. In fact, it's one of the first laws that King Charles uh, put his signature to. Um, if you're, uh, some of your listeners are interested, you can you can go online, you can find that legislation because the wording at the start is very, uh, say, very different. It's slightly different. Um, for the last seventy years, our laws have begun, be it enacted by Her Majesty's. Um, gracious consent, uh, it's now His Majesty the King's consent. So um, the nature of our laws have changed slightly. But anyway, um, King Charles signed this into law last month. And one of the provisions was for this new uh, Director of Freedom of Speech and Academic Freedom to be set up at the Office for Students. And that will give them powers to investigate instances where freedom of speech has been undermined. Um, and crucially, to issue sanctions, so to issue fines, to take people to task. Now, as we say much of this, um, the proof will be in, in, in the results. And uh, it seems like an encouraging step, but clearly we need to see how this role evolves. And I'm sure it won't be very long before it is put to the test. And it will be interesting to see which cases Professor Ahmed does and indeed does not investigate um, and what actions he takes as a result of that. Um, we will be knocking on his door as soon as he's got his feet on the table to um, to highlight our survey results, which uh, produced a number of concerning uh, situations in universities and colleges where where both students and staff felt that they couldn't be true to their to their Catholic faith. So it's an encouraging move, um, but the proof will be in the in the in the fruit that it yields um but we intend to work very constructively with professor ahmed in this new role and um hopefully we'll get the chance to meet him very soon after his appointment is confirmed excellent excellent i think he might be a worthy speaker for one of your pub talks that you guys mm. have i think that's an excellent idea well we actually have our uh latest pub talk just this evening with oh. um with Anne Widdicombe, former um conservative MP and government minister, uh now part of Reform UK, I think. But um Anne will be joining us to talk about um being a Catholic in public life. So not too dissimilar from our from our previous conversation. Um Anne was a councillor for many years before going into Parliament. She served briefly as a member of the European Parliament. So she's had experience in different different legislatures, different uh, layers of government um, of being a Catholic. She's um, she's belonged to different political parties over the years, but she's always been um, uh, a staunch defender of, of, of her faith. So it'd be great to talk to her this evening. But yes, I think Professor Ahmed will be a very good speaker for one of our pub talks or, or webinars. Yes, absolutely. James, you have left out one of the items of Anne Widdicombe's resume, and that was being a contestant on Strictly Come Dancing. Oh, gosh. Silly. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes. Anne Widdicombe, who is most famous for her cha-cha-cha. Yes. Uh, dancing, who was also at one time a politician. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. We, I suspect the questions about that may well come up as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful. I, I, 
Oh, there's so much amazing things going on at the Catholic Union. And thank you so much, James, for sharing with us just a bit of it. And hopefully, listeners, if you've gotten intrigued or you want to look more into it or find out more, please do visit catholicunion.org.uk. And James, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to please, uh, could you end our program with a prayer? Yes, of course. Well, just um, before oh, I do, Helen, oh, thank yes. you for all your support. Um, you know, I mean, our our work is only made possible by the people who support us in terms of engaging in our work, coming along to pub talks, um, signing our petitions, taking part in our surveys. So thank you to you at Radio Maria for promoting that. Um, and um, yeah, please, please do continue to support us um, in our work and financially as well, because we're only as strong as the people who who support us. Um, and uh, I will gladly, gladly end with a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful Grant that by the same Holy Spirit, we may be truly wise and ever enjoy his consolations through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, James. Have a blessed day and keep up the good work. Thank you, Helena. And to you. God bless. God bless. This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review. Every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of Christ's saving truth. And if you don't already, you can listen to Radio Maria live either online or on DAB in selected regions of the UK. We'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation. See our website, radiomariaengland.uk, for more details and a full schedule of programmes. And do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programmes like this. We are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners.